welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 1. I didn't go to Ireland last week. I don't have anything, I don't have any stories to tell, so we're just going to have to look at our Bibles. Father, we are so grateful. We are so grateful for the work that you've started in all of our lives. Sometimes we're negligent and we allow it to sit untended, the seed that you've planted into our heart, untended and uncared for. But then the rain of your spirit, the water of your word comes again and refreshes us and renews us and moves us along. Let us not ever hold ourselves back because of where we've not been yet. Let us not ever feel that the fact that we've not attained or arrived where you've called us to be prevent us from continuing on in the journey. May we come to know that in you and with you that the journey is the point, that the journey is every bit as important as the destination, that the learning, that the growing, that the changing. So this morning, Unveil your word, make your truth alive by your spirit in all of our hearts and souls. Grant me, and Jean, if she speaks, whomever else speaks, utterance and boldness to speak plainly and clearly. What's your heart, what's your mind, what your truth is. Open us all up to receive. And for this, we give you thanks, and we give you honor, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to try and talk to you for a few minutes about the very, just the very basic part of your relationship with God. And um, there's, there's different tacks, there's different things that can be said. There have been some wonderful things that have been said and done all morning. The Lord Jesus has been glorified. But I want, to, I want to take a little bit of a different direction than even talking to you about the Lord Jesus. I want to talk to you about your eternal relationship with God in all of his fullness itself. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but there are some real simple things that are the base of your relationship with God. And they are, they are some of them are illustrated here in Romans chapter 1. We're going to read them for just, just in a second. But they are, they are simple things. They are, they are simple things that require your regular attendance. One of them is thanksgiving. One of them is just acknowledging that God's God and that you are not. Because until you become strong enough to acknowledge that God's God and that you're not, you'll forever be tempted to enthrone your own will. You'll be forever tempted to take God and use him for your betterment and for your purposes. You'll forever be tempted to expect God to be the junior partner in the relationship and give himself to you for your life. There are just times where you have to recalibrate and come back and acknowledge that you are not in control of your life. You do not own your future. You did not buy yourself back. We can look in Revelation, we don't have time for that, but 
the emphasis is made in worship in chapter 4 and chapter 5, it says that everything, and you're a thing in this regard, was created by him, was created for him, was sustained by him. Jesus' role was that he redeemed you, but not for yourself, not for your spouse, not for your church, but for him. You have to be able to acknowledge that. Uh, you, have, you have to be able to acknowledge that his existence, that he was God before you were born, before the worlds were created, and that he will still be God long after your time is here. If the Lord doesn't return for us, that you are, you are the temporary item in the relationship. So far, church has been good. <laughs> Romans chapter 1, it says uh, so many things that we don't have time to read. But it says in verse 20, let's start, we'll read a few of these verses. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. I don't know if you all learned this prayer when you were a kid, but I can remember being four years old back in the dark ages. When, when, my, when my mother taught me, she, that's the first time I can recall her ever mentioning God in any way. We didn't go to church at that season of life. And she taught me the, the uh, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. I thanked her on the phone one of the last few times I talked to her. I didn't even realize this until a couple of years back. But one of the things that she taught me was now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I'm four years old, and I didn't, I didn't raise my hand and say, Mama, what's my soul? Somehow, deep down inside, I knew I had a soul. Somehow, even at four years of age, I knew that I was existent outside of this body and that some part of me would go on forever. I think this verse makes that kind of an illusion. I can't speak to everybody's personal experience. I don't know what you know or what you remember. But I'm pretty sure that you're aware that there's something on the inside of you and have been aware of this all of your life, that there's something on the inside of you that's alive, that's distinct and separate from who this is. That's what that verse is talking about. It says the things that were created knew about his divine power and his attributes. They knew that he was there. They knew that he existed. But listen to what it says. It says, in the things that have been made, they know this, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him or acknowledge him as God or give thanks to him. But they then, I'm putting the word then in there, became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The two most basic things that you have to do in your relationship with God that worship and prayer both lend themselves to is you have to be ye thankful you have to be thankful, but being thankful requires you to say he is God, to acknowledge him and to give him credit for feeding you, for caring for you, for providing for you. Sometimes in life we grow so accustomed to seeing what we don't have and what we can't do. We grow so accustomed to what's not been working out like we want it to that we sometimes stumble and we think that God has yet to move in our life. But I promise you, if you'll give thought to it, you all know that God has moved in your life profoundly. The fact that not everything has come together like you wish it was, 
The fact that not everything is resolved completely according to your standards does not mean that every one of you has not at some point at least received the miracle of the new birth. You've been healed, you've been restored, you've been kept and kept alive from nobody knows how many times you could have died. You've been kept. You have been kept. And it's just an absolutely liberating, freeing thing just to come back to say, you know what? I admit I can't control my own circumstances. And I acknowledge that every good thing that ever came to me in life has come from you. Now it says in this paragraph, it says that they have to give thanks to him, that they have to, that they have to honor him because if they don't, it says their thinking becomes futile and their heart gets darked. So how many have had your hearts darkened before? It doesn't, you don't just wake up one day with a bad heart. You've got to entertain thoughts. You've got to let yourself go places in your mind that you shouldn't go so that your thinking becomes weak, becomes futile, and that your heart becomes dark. Even as the believer, this goes on because there's a litany of things that happen here. Sometimes we stop in the middle of the chapter, but it goes on. It says there's different stages. It says there's different stages, and the thing that's consistent in all of those stages is that people refuse to come back to God, and when they refuse to come back to God, they move farther away. It says when they refuse to come back to God, he gives them over to whatever it was that was in their heart to start with. When they refuse to acknowledge responsibility and give thanks to him and give the credit and the, and the glory to him, then their hearts get darkened. And notice down at the very end of the chapter, down here in verse number, and let's, I think we can read verse, uh, verse 32, there's all sorts of things talked about here. There's all sorts of things like unrighteousness and evil and covetousness and malice and murder and strife and deceit, gossips and slanders. There's all sorts of things discussed in this, in this paragraph. Haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. But it says in verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things, all of those things, it says God's righteous decree is that they deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Now here's, here's what I want you to see. Is that through a lifetime of willful ignorance, a lifetime of willful unthankfulness, a lifetime of refusal, to acknowledge that God is real and that God is good. After a lifetime, it says, you no longer have any ability to tell right from wrong, and you no longer have any ability to tell someone else what's right and wrong. You've completely robbed from God the right to be just and to be true. Now, it may seem harsh to you. I hope it doesn't because there's a remedy for it. There's a very simple remedy for it. You practice it every Sunday when you come to church. Let's all praise the Lord. Let's all worship the Lord. Let's all give thanks unto God. But sometimes in some churches, surely not this one, we've limited our exercise of spiritual responsibility. I don't say just disciplines, spiritual responsibility to what we do when we gather together. So we come along and 
We will worship God, but we still think it's kind of a praise and worship service. We don't understand that this is a renewal time for us, that this is a time of salvation for us, that this is a time for us to recalibrate our souls from the very week that we've lived, where we found the disappointment of lack, the disappointment of conversations, fear, oppression, to where the pressure comes week by week by week to make us anxious about our futures, to cause us to despair, to cause the glowing light that maybe on Sunday was bright on our horizon of God's goodness and presence, to cause us to think that the clouds of darkness are dimming and moving in, so that Little by little, not in one big step, little by little, we lose hope. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. Hope, hope has got to be a seed of truth in your heart that remains irrespective of the outer environment in the seasons it finds itself in. And the only way that that hope can bear fruit and grow is if it's protected, if it's guarded, and if it's kept. I don't mean at church. I'm thinking about Thursday at 3 o'clock. I'm thinking about at work. I'm thinking about in the middle of the night. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the church's future being based on your personal spirituality. I'm thinking about the kingdom of God's immediate future being hinged on your personal walk. Not on the collective gathering week by week, not on its past, but on, on who you choose to be tomorrow and the relationship that you choose to cultivate with God and how you set yourself in that relationship and determine who's actually in charge of it. Paul said in one place, what do you have that you did not receive? He said in that same passage as in Corinthians. What do you have that you didn't receive? What do you have that makes you different from anybody else? He said then if you didn't get it by yourself and you didn't make it by yourself, then why are you boasting like you're somebody special? This is all part and parcel with coming to terms with who he is and not who you are. I'm giving you some time to think. In the King James Version of the Bible, which has its pros and cons, but it has its pros here, Paul on the Damascus Road is impacted by the presence of God, knocked to the ground, and he says, this comes out in the King James, it's inferred in, in the other basic documents. He's knocked to the ground and he says, who are you and what must I do? We spend our time today saying, who am I and what will you do? 
That's not the central question of your spirituality. And if you don't want your skinny hiney jumped on the ground sometime in an abstract context where he says, boom, it's now you make up your mind about who you are and who I am. You're going to have to come to terms, and it's easy when it's light, where you say, who are you? Who are you? It said earlier in that paragraph that one of the things that they did was worship the creation rather than the creator, which is inevitable, which is inevitable because you were built for worship. You were made to worship, and you, to this very minute, worship something every day of your life. All you have to do is listen to your words. You might worship a fear. You might worship a person. You might worship a habit. You might worship a rock star. You might worship a job. You might worship an idea, but I guarantee you, you worship something. You pour your heart out, you pour your words out, and you pour your money towards it. You might worship your future. You might worship your ministry. You might worship your family. Anything that you have in your life that God gave you is prone to be worshipped because of its value. And will end in an unbalanced, unhealthy relationship if your fundamental walk with him is altered so he is not at the center, he is not the centerpiece of every relationship, every activity you've got. It's not that easy to keep him there. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to tell you the truth, it's not that easy to keep him there. I had, I had a, I often have bad years. I often have bad years. I have bad decades. I, I have problems. And they're not, they're not only my problems. I have issues. I have other people's issues. Any of you inclined to prayer, you don't have to raise your hands, just wink or something. Anybody inclined to prayer? Do you ever notice that when you pray, particularly when you're trying to intercede and pray for somebody else's life, the farther they are away from you, the less actual control you have over it. And did you ever notice that sometimes the more you seem to pray about these things, the less they seem to change for the good? That doesn't mean they're not changing for the good. You don't actually know what would be happening if you weren't praying. And you don't actually know what the purpose of your prayer is. The purpose of your prayer might be to do nothing more than buy them time so God can deal with their hearts. You just have to be content to do your part. You just have to be content to do your part. But it's easy in the doing when you are surrounded with people with broken lives to let the clouds of darkness creep past the light and work their way into your heart and mind to where you become a little less hopeless, a little more hopeless, a little less hopeful than what you wish that you were. I remember, I remember in my own life, uh, back probably January, I felt like I woke up one morning about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and, and uh, I felt like the Lord said to me, the problem with you, David, is the problem you're facing now is that you're chronically unthankful. 
Now, that might bother you. That didn't bother me. That helped me a lot because I know how to get thankful. Chronically unthankful doesn't mean that I was intentionally unthankful. It meant that I was burdened by what I couldn't change. And I had to get back up and recalibrate my own heart and mind that no matter what happened in my life or anybody else's life, I didn't actually get to control the outward circumstances. I had to stay in faith. I had to trust him. I had a part that I had to play, and it started with me giving him the credit for being smart enough to control all this like he wanted to do. That he could make it what he wanted to make it, and that I was there to assist and to help him. The world you find yourself in is a world that no longer believes there's a right or wrong. You find yourself in a world, sometimes you might find yourself amidst other believers who think everything's okay and nothing's ever wrong and that you can't ever say something's right or wrong or make a stand for righteousness. But what you cannot ever let yourself do is lose sight of the fact that there is a God who judges, who decides good from bad, who decides right from wrong, who has blessed you with all the benefits that he's given you, and that your role is to acknowledge and give glory and honor unto him and to be thankful for all that he's done. The world is like the world is, not because the devil is all-powerful and strong. It's not because of strongholds. The world is like the world is because the body of Christ at large, universally, has been unwilling to accept responsibility for living a righteous lifestyle to where they say God has the right to tell me what to do and the right to tell me how to do it. One more portion of scripture. One you know well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Sixteen, seventeen, and 18. This translation says rejoice always. Here once again, I haven't mentioned the King James in a long time, but the King James says rejoice evermore. And I, I, I like that. I, I, like, I like evermore because it captures a little bit of a different idea, a fuller idea of not just about being time, but about increasing. I like to tell myself, if, even if I haven't lived it out properly yesterday, I still can change. I can do this more and more. Rejoice, rejoice always. Pray without giving up. Pray without ceasing. doesn't mean pray every second or every minute. It means never give up on your prayers. Spiritual people pray, not just when they're at church. Spiritual people rejoice, not just when they're at church. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. There's more to say about this, but this is the will of God in Christ Jesus 
Without Christ Jesus, you couldn't even give thanks to him. Without Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus is the barrier that opens up the door, the bridge. He's everything that you need to keep stuff out, to let yourself go into the presence of God himself. Christ Jesus paid the way for you to go in there to give thanks to his presence and acknowledge his name, to give credit for him, to give credit to him for all that he's done for you. Rejoice evermore doesn't mean to sing more. Rejoice always doesn't mean to sing more. To rejoice doesn't actually mean to sing. What rejoice means is to lean into the grace of God. And by leaning in the grace of God, you find something to sing about. It's a beautiful word. You can look it up on your own sometime, but it means to in everything, find where God's grace is. To remind yourself that his ability is there. To remind yourself that his presence is there with you. Find him. Look for him. Though he hide in the floor under the chairs. Find where he's at. Because I'm telling you right now. He doesn't manifest himself to anybody that just happens to look around the room. You've got to look for him. You've got to look for him. You've got to look past things. You've got to look through things. You've got to listen beyond words that are said. You've got to go beyond your own emotions and feelings and find the patterns that he's working in your life because he's there. And when you can see him, when you can find his grace, where you can pursue his grace, it's far easier not to give up on your prayers. But even while you're praying and waiting for your life to change and for your circumstances to alter, the true strength of rejoicing, the, str- the true strength of prayer is it somehow pushes you up over an edge so you can remain thankful no matter what's going on in your life around you. It says this is the will of God. He didn't say it was the will of God for your life to be perfect. It didn't say it was the will of God for everything to go well. It said, here, here's the part you got control over. Here's the part that you can change today. You can have victory in your heart. You can, have, you can celebrate the good things God's done. You can have a hope that tomorrow things get better by doing nothing more than rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks no matter what's going on around you. You can't do that because you go to a good church. You can't do that just because you know some spiritual people. This is designed by God to reach down to the very core of your being and find out who you are and what you're made out of. To find out not what what you're willing to see God do if you come and sit at the back of the room. But there is no back of the room with him. So wherever you happen to sit, he's in your face he's in your heart moving towards you to find out what's going on inside of you so he can shift you so he can change you so you can grow in grace and wisdom stand up with me if you would Father we're so grateful 
say this with me. This is our version of a liturgy. I want you to say this with me. Father, I acknowledge you as God. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. And my hope is in you. I trust you. And right now, I give you thanks for all the good you've done in my life. You've provided for me. You've brought healing to me. You've granted me victory. You've given me peace. I've seen you and I live. You are my shepherd. You lead me and guide me. I thank you. I thank you because you are my righteousness. You are the right way for me to live. And you show me right paths to walk in. I thank you, Father, for you are present in this church service, in my life, in my circumstances, in me. You are present within me. And I give you all the credit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that His Spirit, His love, and His life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.